Welcome to the Central Valley Politics Podcast, brought to you from the Student Media Center at California State University, Stanislaus, home to The Signal, student-run newspaper, and 91.9 KCSS, the Valley's true alternative college radio station. You can find both online at csusignal.com or kcss.net. I'm your host, Shannon Stevens. When I'm not hosting podcasts, I'm a professor here at Stan State in the Department of Communication Studies. When we have an election cycle, I teach a class in political communication where we study history and theory as a means of better understanding the rhetoric surrounding current political campaigns. This year, we wanted to reach out to a larger audience and share what we're learning about the local candidates we'll all be electing in November. In this episode, students from my political communication class will introduce us to the races for Turlock City Council and City Treasurer, our local congressional contest, and the state Senate election, as well as what's going on in Stockton. Each segment is about 10 minutes long, and each gives the students a chance to share what they've learned and why it should matter to you. I hope you enjoy today's Central Valley Politics podcast. If you have anything you want us to research for you or discuss in the next podcast, do tweet the signal at CSU Signal or me at Shannon Stevens. That's S-H-A-N-N-O-N-S-T-E-V-E-N-S. You can also email us at stanstatepodcasts at gmail.com. Remember, every vote counts, so get out there and make a difference. Starting us off this week, we have Gabby Peralta and Clara Zapian with their coverage of Turlock's local elections, focusing on the District 2 and 4 City Council candidates, as well as the race for City Treasurer. Let's hear what they have to say. Hello and welcome back. I'm Clara Zapian. And I'm Gabby, and we're here to give your TLE a little TLC. So first we're going to be starting off with the candidates running for the member of City Council District 2. We have Gil Esker. And Jaime Franco. So according to the Modesto Bee, the Modesto Bee has gotten two letters to the editor in support of Gil Esker. One of the letters was from one of the past Turlock mayors, Brad Bates. He was mayor from 1982 to 1990. In his letter to the editor, he stated that Gil is a solid, sensible, and contributing member of the community and that he has had the same group of friends for decades. And one of his good friends, Margaret Souza, was assistant finance director when Brad was mayor. So you're saying that he kind of has a friendship with him. I don't know if that would influence who he would be promoting, but I feel like that... I think so, but I think it also shows that Gil has a lot of friends who have run for positions in Turlock yeah, and have already true. held positions so that he, they can even help him like maybe when he needs help in the future. That's true. So they kinda can it could him. be they actually do, or he actually thinks he's a good candidate and they just happen to be friends. Yes. Okay, that's true. I All think right. it also shows his loyalty, too, to his friends because like yeah. Brad said in the letter that he's had the same group of friends for decades. For sure, for sure. Okay, so, and what about, tell us a little bit about um, Jaime Franco. So, he hasn't really been in the news at all. He was at the Turlock Public Forum a couple, was it last week? I think it was last, no, it was two weeks ago, I want to say. Two weeks ago, yeah, you yeah. were there. Um, he didn't really say much there. He didn't, he not, has not really been in the news. There's no letters to the editors in um, support of him. He hasn't really been updating his Facebook page or anything like that, yeah. so... I will say that where I live, which is kind of near downtown, there are two houses in front of me that uh-huh. have his little sign up in their lawn. Yeah. But that's about as much as I've seen. Yeah, I've seen a couple of signs, but I've also seen a lot of signs in favor of guilt, too. Yeah, so. uh, that too. I've seen 
that. And oh, now that we're talking about science, we could actually mention that the Turlock firefighters have endorsed Gil Esker they have. with huge posters they have. that have been seen around <laughs> Turlock. And on that same poster, they are also endorsing Amy Bublack. Yes. Which are we discussing next, Amy? Yes, Bublack we are. Already? She's okay. running for City Council District Four. Yes, for District Four, it's Amy Bublack and Stephen Nascimento, and also Donald Babadilier. And Donald, about him. yes, let's not forget about <laughs> Donald Babadilier. Good point. So let's start off by saying that Nascimento and Amy were both. Um, in our podcast that we did, and by we, I For mean KCSS, me. I'm like, and by we, I mean me, because <laughs> Gabby wasn't there, but it was me, the professor of the public, public communications, political communications class, and another um, student who's in the Signal newspaper. And it was Nascimento's first time doing a podcast or anything radio-related, and okay. I think he did really well. Well, it's really cool he's coming to the campus and yeah. making, putting forth the time and effort to come and let us know what's going on with him. Yeah, I think that's really important. He's trying to build that connection with the college campus, whereas Amy has always had a connection yeah. because she did let us know in that podcast, which will be linked somewhere on this page where you're listening to it right now. Um, she was involved a lot in sports here okay. and um dr stevens even told us that she was actually part of saving the school newspaper here oh wow yeah and that's um that has i think a that's lot to really say. important but i also think i listened to the podcast with um steven mm-hmm. and he said he really wanted to kind of he talked about parking and yes. wanting the students in the neighborhoods to get along well i think yeah. that was really important that's also another important part because we are a college town and i feel like there's no way around the college students no. that are all over <laughs> here. And something else that he mentioned in the podcast, which I thought was interesting, was parking in general. Okay. He used to be part of um, a city planner, mm-hmm. and he mentioned that he wanted the double-line parking. Okay. Because, I don't know if you've noticed, Gabby, all around Turlock, it's just one line and then the other line. But there's other areas that have kind of like the oval shape. Oh, okay. Of parking, so it gives you a little bit more, more of room? A, like pre- yeah, more room, more precision of where okay. you're supposed to park. Okay. Because he did talk about um, getting like dings on your car. You don't like yes, that. And I've been scared to yeah, park a lot of places. Exactly. Downtown for that I still don't park in certain <laughs> spots because I'm like, am I gonna get out? Probably not. <laughs> um, another thing that was important. Um, is that Babaladir has been invited to speak at the podcast, and it's still not too late if he wants to, but um, he hasn't gotten back to us, and neither has Gil Esker. So if they still want to come and talk, they're more than welcome to. Um, oh, also, Nascimento is very active oh, on very, his very Facebook active. page. Facebook page, and he has his own website, which is stevennascimento.com. Yes, and who else has another website? Tell us about that. It's Amy. Yes. His, what would you call his that? His contender? Yes. Like I said in the last podcast, a <laughs> contender. Why not? <laughs> We're putting them in the rings. Practically like they're doing in the political election okay. for the presidents. You know how they yes. make it like a big fight? That's what we're going to try to do here. Okay. But it's going to be more civilized. So Amy's website is, what's her website? Yeah, her website is amybublack.com. Okay. Easy. The Easy. candidate's name yeah. just followed by <laughs> dot com. Okay. So you can go and do your research So what there. is she all about on her website? So on her website, I think that she focuses on the water plan. That's something big. And also the roads. Did she mention that in the um, forum that you went to? Yes, she actually did. That was something major. And something also major that happened at the forum was that when Babaladir uh, brought up his point of view on what happened with the farmer's market, the people near me all groaned. <laughs> and it was hard for me to record the audio for that because people around me were just alive They're and upset. they were reacting to everything that they were mm-hmm. saying, yeah. 
So it was really interesting. Something interesting as well was that when the questions were presented to mm -hmm. the candidates, there were really no no questions. Not really. There were no questions for the treasurer. So that kind of makes oh. you think about. Um, the people's outlook on that position. Yeah. Like, is it even taken seriously by the people if they're not you know, going to bother? I'm not sure. And then according like, what I've been seeing online, Franco and, or excuse me, um, Alex mm -hmm. Lu Keel and Diana Lewis have not really been doing anything new. Even at the forum, I was reading that they just are reiterating what they've already stated. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I feel like, do you think there's less pressure for that position or not as much as attention I think drawn to because it? of um, the new district... Yeah, how we've split it up this time. I think there's more focus there because we now have two members yeah, running for different that's street. True. Yeah, So it's more of a connection uh -huh. to your specific area where you live. I think so. Whereas before, it was just like in general, these yeah. are the people. And I think that's what treasure is. It's very general because yeah, yeah. it be all of Turlock. There's not two separate treasurers from each district. So, so. I think, if anything, the appeal that, um, what was Alex? Yeah. yeah, that Alex has would probably be his young age. Yeah, and that he town. has never held a position, whereas yeah. um, Diana Lewis has already held it for And I'm kind of interested years. now how that's going to work out. Yeah. Are people going to just randomly choose one, or are they just going to stick with what they know? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm kind of leading towards, I think it would be good to have someone new in office. I like change. Yeah, um, that's I think good. he's also um, a graduate of CSU Stanislaus. I think that's what it was. Alex? So, yeah. Yes. Do you know how long ago that was? That would be interesting to find out. I think we mentioned it in our past podcast. Yeah. All right, go listen to the past one. <laughs> I'll tell that to myself, too. Listen to past Clara in the podcast to see if we could find that out. Is there anything else that you want to add, Gabby? No, I think just remember to vote on November 8th. I just got my ballot in the mail yesterday, yes. so I'm already reading through all of that. Make sure you're reading all the propositions and you're reading all about the candidates and make sure you're following them and going to the forums like you did, Clara. Yes. I want to mention that when I went to the forum, it was all older people, and uh -huh. they were all... Um, Caucasian, so <laughs> I feel like it's important for the minorities yeah, to the go out there and be involved because mm -hmm. this is going to affect you, especially now that it's redistrict and yeah. it's actually going to be hitting you right where you live yeah. because they're going to be speaking for you. And if mm -hmm. you're not there to represent yourself now, yeah. then the person that might not represent you correctly will get chosen. And I also want to say that if you aren't registered to vote, your um, registration date, the last day to register, is October 24th. Mm -hmm. Oh, and also, last thing, since I am part of the school newspaper, we are we um, are having a cheat sheet up for the propositions. Oh. So if you want to take a look at what the propositions are, they're going to be up on the signal.com. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so I think that's going to do it. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, you for, for listening. listening in to TLE. <laughs> Where we give your little, lo little local, <laughs> your little TLE. local <laughs> elections of TLC. Gabby and Clara. And just as a quick update for our listeners, after Gabby and Clara finished their report, we did hear from Gillis Gare and Jaime Franco, so be sure to check out those interviews available in the same place that you found this podcast. Next up, Joseph Saragossa and Austin Larson give us the latest from Stan State's Stockton Satellite Campus, where the mayoral race between incumbent Anthony Silva and challenger Michael Tubbs is the talk of the town. Welcome to the podcast of COM4500 Political Communications. This is Austin Larson, Joseph Saragoza, and today we're going to be talking to you a little bit more about um, Anthony Silva and Michael Tubbs and what they are currently doing in the election for the Stockton mayor. 
So um, we did a little bit of research on them and we found some uh, articles and um, content from the Stockton Record, which is the local Stockton newspaper. And that's pretty much the only um, media outlet that we found any information besides their uh, social media pages, websites, and whatnot. So um, there hasn't been much information about them um, by a lot of sources, only just the uh, staff writer Roger Phillips from the Stockton Record. So kind of seems as though they don't have too many people that will cover the politics section, but um, most articles are written by by him. So. And in a way, it could create um, somewhat of a bias if, say, this, say, Roger Phillips has a specific viewpoint on one candidate or another, and he wants to portray that that viewpoint that he has to everyone else. He can do that for all he wants because he's probably the only person writing about it and actually sharing his opinion on any newspaper source. Yeah. So. Also, too, to add, um, the Stockton Record has officially endorsed Michael Tubbs as the clear choice for the Stockton mayor. So that adds to, you know, how there can be some bias possibly because they're an official endorser of him as the mayor and want the current mayor, Anthony Silva, out of office as soon as possible. So according to the article um, from them on October 1st, um, states that they did endorse him officially and he um, not only will help the civic damage done to the position by Silva so they're kind of stating that whatever Silva did while he was in office wasn't good for the city so um, they also state that Stockton residents deserve a lot better so yeah they, they actually wrote a, a article called Why Anthony Silva Must Go. Basically just talked about how he was elected, um, not wrongly, but um, out of frustration because the city of Stockton wouldn't listen to the people that lived in Stockton. And that actually ended up backfiring on them because they picked Silva because he listened and kind of uh, changed the dynamic of Stockton because in the article, they portrayed him as um, setting the bar very low and saying that he has accomplished absolutely nothing since he became the mayor of Stockton. And it's, it's just interesting because they, they have a, a mayor right now who, as they say, he doesn't do anything. He hasn't made any changes. And then... From what I've seen on his website, um, his, his, uh, what are they, the mayoral website, I guess? Yeah, his election he, website. Yeah, he, um, he still doesn't have many plans. Um, I've looked at Tubbs' website, and he has specific examples of what he wants to do, and he has plans set in place where Silva does not have that same effect. Yeah, and going back to that endorsement article, um, the Stockton Record also... Um, according to them, states that they've had four years of clown show-like antics by Mayor Silva and that he's done very little to move the city forward but also has done plenty to hurt the city's reputation. So 
it seems as if, you know, there's just a little bit of a um, favoritism towards Tubbs and um, showing some negativity towards Silva. So, also, they recently they just had a um, candidate forum at the um, local community college in here in Stockton, Delta College. And apparently, there was just some differing views between um, each of them. So, with the election only, you know, about three weeks away, it seems that, uh, you know, there's consistent differing between both of them. And I think there's just like a maturity level as well that you see in Tubbs that you don't see in Silva. Um, Roger Phil Phillips act uh, wrote another article called uh, Mayoral Donnie Book on Facebook about how Silva was on Facebook writing about um, basically everything that he didn't like about Stockton or about the government and how it worked. And you see Tubbs responds um, basically saying it all comes down to leadership and who's leading Stockton and who is creating ideas and creating um, different ways of doing things. And it's just interesting because Silva's been there for a while. You would think he might uh, be able to have more specific ideas since he's been surrounded by it for as long as he's been the mayor. And you see Tubbs basically has all this experience graduated from Stanford, has his master's. He did an internship in the White House. He served on the um, committee for Stockton. And now he has all these great ideas and it's just interesting to see. I think Silva kind of just lost, um, not hope, but he doesn't really have plans set in place as Tubbs does. And I think that's what differs them in this, uh, in this race, I think. Yeah, looking Tubbs. at his at his Facebook page too, he um, Tubbs. He always uses anytime he posts anything, he always uses the hashtag hashtag reinvent Stockton. So, you know, he just I feel like is more um, in tune with what the residents of the city of Stockton want. So, I think when people see that, you know, they're going to always. Um, support him you know they're gonna support him more because they you know they see he's for for the city for the people of Stockton not that Silva isn't it's just the the way that he goes about it um, doesn't seem very professional so and uh, Roger Phillips um, also wrote another article called Stockton Mayor's uh, Donations Plummet in the Summer um, this was written on October 4th and basically, from the date of July 5th until October 4th, um, Silva had zero dollars in donations, where Tubbs, in the same amount of time, had 79,000 um, donated. And you can kind of tell by that, like, who really wants to win, I think. Silva, I, I don't think he doesn't want to win, but he's not doing as much as Tubbs is, and Tubbs hasn't even been there yet. So I think um, I'm really curious to see what Tubbs can do if he is elected to be the mayor, um, because I haven't seen much of what Silva has done. Yeah, so um, also in the article, um, 
posted by the Stockton Record as well, Roger Phillips, um, summarizing the home stretch of the mayoral race. Um, basically, just some states that after four years, they're still struggling to find stability, um, you know, still battling issues that Silva stated that he would, you know, resolve or, or at least try to. Um, you know, they also stated in the article that they um, reached out to um, Anthony Silva to uh, appear before the records, the Stockton Records editorial board and he actually declined the request to be interviewed. He stated that, um, quote, I'm not interested in participating, but thank you for caring. There has already been plenty written. Please respect my decision, quote. So, yeah, I think he uh, saw that they endorsed Tubbs, and I'm sure he's read what they've written about him because I don't think they've written much good things about him or many good things about him. Yeah, and Tubbs actually in the article too speculated about the reason for Silva's um, refusal. And he had stated, and generally when people don't talk to the media, it suggests that there's something to hide, according to Tubbs. So, Very true. with all the controversy and everything that he's had, it's kind of like he's gone, you know, kind of uh, in hiding a little bit, in a sense. Yeah, I think that just about sums it up for what we have uh, for this podcast about the election. Yeah, so there's only 22 days till election days, election night and day, whatever. So we'll see what happens. But it seems that Tubbs is more of a more popular choice for the city of Stockton. And um, actually today, according to his um, tweet, um, he had stated fourth quarter on so money. 21 days, hashtag reinvent Stockton. So it seems like he's pretty confident in um, in this election. So we'll see what happens in 22 days. All right, guys, thanks for listening. All right, have a good one. Thank you for that report, Joseph and Austin. Next, we hear from Clayton Cummings, Amanda Carlin, and Brian Escobar as they offer some insights on the congressional race locally between incumbent Jeff Denham and challenger Michael Eggman. Enjoy. Hi guys, welcome back to our political communication podcast. My name's Amanda. I'm Brian. I'm Clayton. And we're here with you guys today to bring some more information uh, on Michael Eichmann and Jeff Denham. And we have a little bit more to talk about with our candidates because a lot of them are coming out with our ads now. You know, you're hearing them on the radio. Oh, and yeah. getting close. It is very getting very close. How long are we away from the election? Two weeks, Less I think? Less than two weeks, I believe. Yep. Oh, we're getting down to the wire. So uh, we're going to start off um, with Brian and Clayton talking about what uh, some of the main issues are for the candidates that they're fighting for. If you want to take it away, Brian. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm uh, going to talk a little about uh, Jeff Denham. He's our incumbent. Uh, he's been serving as our state representative for the past two years, and he is back up for re-election um, in the... 114th Congress, Denham, has voted with his party 92.6% uh, of the time. This is cited off of, uh, I believe it was off of uh, Wikipedia, but I'm, I'm going to have to double check on that again. But uh, there's, he, he's running on a platform that he wants to make sure that 
uh, we we keep our budget as it is, use uh, the money that's already provided with us. We're not increasing taxes. Uh, he's more about uh, physical strength and cutting waste. Uh, he's presented a couple bills uh, already. Uh, some have passed, and he's also done some bipartisan bills as well for immigration. Okay, well, I guess it's my turn to take it away with Michael Edmund, Eggman. Um, from EggmanforCongress.com, he has uh, just, you know, some of the basic issues that, you know, he's going to try to establish in, uh, in office if he gets elected. He ran for office in 2014 but failed uh, to realize his dream when um, Jeff Denham took it, took it from him. So <laughs> some of his issues, uh, of course, you know, the central theme is uh, bringing business back to the Americans. Um, he wants to help small business. Um, obviously, like most candidates would state, you know, those are the, the foundation for our economy. And so, you know, that's some of his uh, main focus for his platform. Um, immigration, obviously, is a big issue for California. Um, I think, you know, some of the things that he's looking to do is, you know, path to citizenship, um, obviously for law-abiding residents, um, increased visas for highly skilled workers. So, you know, bring most of the business back to America. That's kind of the focus, you know, more on, the, you know, jobs and economy. And um, obviously, you know, health care reform is something that's a big focus in, you know, all aspects of, of politics right now. So he plans, you know, to make certain adjustments there. And um, that's just, you know, a little bit of simple information on Eggman that, you know, we might not have previously given. Cool. Yeah, it seems like both the candidates have a lot to bring to the table this time around. But what are some of the main or what are what has Jeff Denham done for the county that will make him a good candidate for re-election is my question. OK, well, let's say we were just talking about immigration reforms. Uh, October 20th, uh, 2013. Um he actually uh, was the first rep uh, Republican to join the Democrat side for co-sponsoring the comprehensive immigration reform bill introduced by the House Democrats. Uh, quoting him, Denham, uh, we can't afford any more delays. I support uh, earned path to citizenship to allow those who want to become citizens to uh, demonstrate a commitment to our country, learn English, pay fines, and back taxes the past background and to and pass background checks. Um, one of his other big platforms has been also arguing with the national deficit is the biggest issue for him. And this is off of his site, uh, which he's called the biggest threat to the nation's freedom. Oh, cool. Um, some of them, um, well, basically right now, it's just a full onslaught right now. Uh, Michael Eggman's campaign is you know, predominantly focused on trying to point out the flaws in the current um, candidate in office, Denham, as uh, he has yet to denounce um, Trump and, you know, some of the negative aspects of his campaign that are currently going on right now. So Eggman's, you know, strategy right now is pretty simple. It's trying to, you know, use affiliation as a as a tool you know, to, to kind of boost his campaign. Yeah, I actually um, found something on the Modesto Bee a few days ago. It came out in a, what was it, an editorial you said? Yeah, and it, it was, was an editorial. It's titled, Denim's Support of Trump is a Disqualifier. And they had quoted, 
What makes Eggman preferable is that, if elected, he will owe his allegiance to those who voted against Trump. How do you guys feel about that? Well, I, I don't speak for Denham, but he, his uh, stance is that he will uh, support any Republican nominee for the presidency. And I believe that is that. Um, obviously, you know, you're going to support your party no matter what. Um, and being expected to denounce your presidential party doesn't seem like something he would do uh, for many reasons. And as much as, you know, I, s I see, you know, the argument being made, I think it's very, you know, smart and, and you know, tactful for his campaign to, you know, maintain the, their, their stance, you know, while, n you know, not necessarily denouncing, but not also agreeing with some of the, you know, you know, things that are being said about, you know, the candidate, yeah. Donald Trump. Still so. trying to seem unified, yeah, although they may I not agree. Unification is what, you know, keeps the party power. You know what I mean? So, yeah, definitely. Got to support, you know, but be careful with some of the things that, you know, they're supporting. So, yeah. Denim's smart in that aspect. And like I said, Michael Eggman, you know, he's trying to capitalize. Yeah, definitely. So something I did want to touch on is since we're coming into the rainy season and it looks like may or may not be getting some rain out in here, um, California's water issue has hit Stanislaus pretty hard over the past few years since we focus on agriculture so much. Um, what do you guys think the candidates have in mind to work towards solutions to preserving our water reservoirs and looking to the future if we do have continual drought? Clayton, you want to start this time? Yeah, I'll go ahead and let's let's just go ahead and take lead on that with uh, Eggman. So, um, relatively, uh, I think his his platform is is staying the same as to 2014 when he campaigned previously. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he stated off of the Valley Citizen that um, the infrastructure for California's water system hasn't been upgraded for 40 years. So that's something that really needs to be address considering we face you know you know some serious droughts for the last i would say you know five to ten years yeah you know what i mean so um he approved the the city of modesto's water recycling program and so i think you know his aspects obviously it will be a challenge because you know he can't just make initial change but i think his goals at you know trying to keep some of the water here is you know is where his mindset's at yeah Brian? Uh, Denham does have a, a more uh, conservative view on using uh, our water, main, mainly on keeping uh, the water in the hands of the people and the farmers. Uh, and a lot of our water does get drained for environmental reasons, for protection of different species, as well as uh, larger cities that you know obviously can afford to lobby bigger uh, funds to them or at least get more water out there. I think... Uh, it, he has a uh, some plans he, he's put out, and is essentially trying to strengthen and secure uh, the flood control levies mm -hmm. and protect our uh, the vital resources and services that uh, bring our our water here to Oristimba and San Joaquin River. All right. Ultimately, I mean, it's it's the funding that really depends because yeah. you know that's that's what California's all about, big business and. You know, if we can focus on getting the funding to, you know, where we need it, we can start preserving some of the water here in the San Jose County. Yeah, hopefully we'll see a little bit of that after the elections, maybe some changes going on up in the big house over in Washington, D.C. 
So when it, when it doesn't rain, we blame the government. There you go. <laughs> hey, I look up Ain't in the sky. Ain't that the truth? I mean, they uh, blamed it for the what was it, Dust Bowl back in the 1900s yeah. or something. Yeah. But um, I know there's one thing I did want to ask that there was a few ads that point that came up online and on the radio that said Michael Eggman he is backed by extreme environmentalists. So do you think that'll affect any of his decisions involving water uh, conservation and Stanislaus? Well, we'd like to think that extreme environmentalists are just people who are extremely dedicated to making the environment better. So, I mean, obviously it's going to be a concern, you know, anytime you're backed by someone's interest because, you know, what's the end game on that? Yeah. So it's really something that we would have to monitor and pay close attention to if he, you know, takes the office um, away from Denim. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, something we should monitor any congressional district anywhere, you know, just trying to keep it pretty, like, what was the word? Uh, not dry. There you go. <laughs> uh, Denham's actually done a couple of things, worked with uh, the Humane Society Legislative Fund, the nation's leading political uh, advoca advoc advocacy group uh, for animal welfare. He helped uh, or supported to introduce Pets on Trains Act, which allowed uh, owners to take their pets on the, the train, so it makes it great, you know. He also was for improved treatment of laying uh, hens, the, where we get our, our eggs every day, uh, mm -hmm. focusing more on cage-free, as well as strengthening uh, federal uh, penalties for illegal animal fighting. So he All has right. done some stuff for uh, the environment as well. Yeah. Well, interesting enough, I, um, I, I read that, you know, both of uh, the candidates actually do not live in this district, but they both are, they come from farm families. Uh, Eggman recently has moved back to his, you know, roots as you would have it mm -hmm. to you know tend to his farm but i thought it was quite interesting to know that you know both are farmers but yet both have outside you know duties yeah so, so i thought that was quite interesting right denham has a, a family farm uh almond orchard actually out in merced county yep. yeah and cool. i think uh, eggman actually has um a farm dedicated to eggs i'm not sure i got <laughs> eggman's yeah a big guy. yeah yeah uh, hopefully we'll uh be able to bring that back up next time around you know yeah. see if we can see any environmental changes that they have i think next time we'll uh tell you guys who our winner is yeah so next time we speak the world will change yeah. <laughs> so make sure you register or it's too late now but make sure you make sure vote you out and vote yeah. uh i've already voted i actually got a, like a mail-in vote so. there you go. same here i voted uh, and we're ready to go i actually want to experience the poll sir. i want to be there tell me how it is i want to go into that box you want to get in the line <laughs> and go in the box i want to see what that he box wants the i voted like. sticker that's it yeah, i don't think i've done that in years but uh, <laughs> i think the challenge is if you close your eyes you feel like you're in a coffin that's one, one, That's way, one to way to look at it. it. <laughs> All right, Clayton. At least in this election season. <laughs> yes. All right, we'll uh, see you guys next time. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks, Amanda, Clayton, and Brian. Finally, on today's episode, Arjun Gruel, Corey Kirk, Brittany McCall, and Shannon McCall take a creative approach to informing us about the race between Kamala Harris and Loretta Sanchez. Enjoy. What is going on, everybody? We uh, want to welcome you back to our podcast where we are talking about the senator political race here for California. We have candidate Kamala Harris against Loretta Sanchez. They just recently had a debate on October 5th at Cal State LA. And as a group we wanted to talk about the debate in a very fun manner 
All right, guys, we're going to play a game today. Who's excited? Yeah. Let's do this. Okay, our game is called True or False. Is the things that this candidate stated during this debate, were they true or were they false? We fact-checked a couple of different things on various websites, too, and see if they were, in fact, true or false. So let the games begin. I'm excited. Yeah. Let's do this. Okay. Topic number one. Kamala Harris stated that Miss Loretta Sanchez has a poor attendance record for her house in the House of Representatives. Is this true or is it false? Arjun, let's think about this, buddy. What do you think? I'm going to say, um, I think I'm going to probably say true. I don't know. That's oh. a good question. I think I'm going to side with Arjun on this. I think I'm going to say true as well. Shannon, where do you stand? I don't know. Um, Kamala Harris seemed pretty convincing during the debate about her numbers. So I'm going to also say true. Well, Miss Loretta, Miss Loretta Sanchez actually does have a pretty poor attendance rate. Whoa. Oh, wow. We just had to fact check this information through the LA Times. Miss Loretta Sanchez has missed 13 of the 18 House of Homeland Security meetings from January to November of 2015. 13 of 18. That's, wow. That's, wow. That's that failing. Full attendance. Oh, my goodness. She missed a vast member of these very, these numbers of subcommittee meetings and almost half of all this formal meetings. In fact, when she stated at the beginning that through her years in the House of Representatives, when she first started, that she had a good attendance rate, that was true. When she first started, she did have a pretty high attendance rate. In fact, a 90% attendance rate, which is what we all expect, right? Them to attend the meetings. That's what we want. I mean, that's why we elect them for office. Why is her attendance so poor recently? In an interview that she gave with the LA Times, she told the reporter that she had two hip surgeries and it made her uneligible to or unable to go to these meetings. And her attendance is tied for second for the worst attendance in the entire House of Representatives. The only person who beats her is Representative Ted Poe from Texas, who currently has leukemia. Wow, I mean, you want them to be present in every single aspect of their job and we understand medical reasons are definitely an issue why couldn't she send somebody that she trusts in her place for those meetings so she would never not have presence there you know I don't know if she did or not. She may have not attended these meetings and then sent someone for her, but the fact is she was just not there for these meetings. So as we drum along, our next question, Shannon, bring on topic number two. Okay. During the debate, Miss Loretta Sanchez said that Prop 57 was a get-out-of-jail-free card. Is Prop 57, in fact, a get-out-of-jail-free card? True or false? I could phone a friend right now. I phone my dad. He's a government teacher. So, I mean. <laughs> Can uh, I call him? <laughs> That's a I'll good question. I'd like to ask the audience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm going to say true because of the fact that you technically can get out of jail at an earlier rate as long as there has been no one harmed in that process. I'm thinking it's true. I could be wrong, though. I'm more than happy to accept I'm wrong and raise my hand right now. For me, I haven't looked that too much into this proposition, so I'm kind of on the fence here. I don't know if it's true or false, but get out of free, jail free, that's a pretty powerful statement, and that implies that you could do anything and get out of jail. So I'm going to say that 
it's not true. How about you, Ajin? How do you feel? Well, I don't really know a lot about this proposition, so um, I can't really um, give an answer, but just because um, I don't really know about this. Make your guess then. Okay, well, if I do have to guess, I will say, um, I'll say it's false, most likely. Drum roll, please. The answer is false. Oh. <laughs> Sorry about that, Corey. Oh man. It would grant nonviolent prisoners an opportunity for earlier parole. This excludes violent criminals, criminals incarcerated for murder, robbery, or kidnapping. Now, people don't just get set free in California. They don't just get early parole. So the thing is, is the Ca California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation had 53,000 inmates up for parole in 2015. Only 902 were actually released. That's a rate of 17%. That's extremely slim chances that people actually up for early parole would actually get out. So it, in fact, would not put more criminals on our streets. That's, that's crazy. A number that low, especially with you know a proposition like that up for, up for debate, essentially. That's just, oh my gosh. And all of this is according to PolitiFacts of California, which is in partners with the Capitol Public Radio. I just wanted to make sure I added that. The link will be posted on our page. Now, we would like to throw it to Ajahn. Ajahn, do you have a question for us? Oh, yes. Uh, okay, uh, during the debate, uh, Loretta uh, wanted to impose medical marijuana regulations. So the big question is, is it true or is it false? To regulate mm. medical marijuana. Yes. Hmm. She came off as somebody that wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of it. But uh, she did brag about, during the debate, how she was able to, you know, get the dispensaries also that they were legal. So I think that she wants to have a pretty strong hand on this. I'm going to say that it's true. I'm going to have to agree with Brittany here. I'm going to say it's true as well. Um, I'm not really sure. I mean, Loretta is a Democrat, so... I think I'll say true as well. Well, drum rolls, please. It is true. Woo! Wow. That is impressive. Everybody got that right. Good job, everybody. Wow. Okay. okay, as we roll on to our next question, Corey, take it away. All right, everybody. True or false? Was it Kamala Harris during her talk about international terrorism reaching out for Muslim American community to help us? True or false? Kamala Harris. Hmm. I think that she's kind of a person that wants to keep everybody united, so I'm going to go ahead and say true. I think I'm going to have to agree with Brittany and definitely say true. Well, I think I'll probably agree as well. True. Well, everybody, I hate to break it to you. It is false. Really? Yes. Explain it oh, to us, really? Corey. Okay, so the stance of having Muslim America community to come and help with the international terrorism actually came from Loretta Sanchez. And that right there almost comes off as hypocritical because in a interview that she had that was mentioned in an LA Times article written by Phil Willen back in the same day as the debate, she's interviewed by Larry King. And in the interview, she says that 
we know that there is a small group and we don't know how big that is and it could be anywhere between 5 to 20% from the people that I speak to that Islam is their religion who have desire for a caliphate and to institute that in any way possible and in particular go um, after the Western norms, our way of life. Uh, that comment was definitely criticized by Muslim groups, but Sanchez stood by her words, saying that the figure she mentioned had not been repudiated by any credible source. But moving on, we're going to send on. it back to Brittany. This is our final question, guys. I'm kind of sad. I liked our game. But no, I'm kind of excited for our last question, though. Okay. So, true or false? During the debate, Miss Harris stated that Loretta Sanchez has only passed one bill, and that was to change the name of a post office in the whole 20 years that she has been in Congress. Is this true or is it false? Wow. Only one bill seems very, very low. I'm definitely going to say false. I don't know. Um, I'm going to, Shannon, I'm going to agree with you on that. I'm going to say, I'm going to say false as well. Well, I'm probably going to say um, true because, you know, a bill, you know, it takes up, you know, it'll probably take months just for it to pass. So. I'm going to stick with true. Well, guys, this was actually a trick question. The answer is kind of true, yet kind of false. And let me explain this for a second. So Loretta Sanchez, she, in fact, has only passed this one bill. And it was, in fact, to change the name of a post office. But the thing is, bills are kind of complicated. And most of the time, you get co-sponsors, where lots of congressmen and women get together to pass a bill. And they all sign their names to it. So, in fact, Miss Loretta Sanchez, she's co-sponsored 179 bills. Wow. And many of these are for the military, actually. So she still, she continues to support this cause. And then we, we wanted to compare her against another politician, somebody like Nancy Pelosi, per se. She's been in the Congress since 1978, and she only has put seven bills into law. So, I mean, the statistic, it may sound low, but even Nancy Pelosi's only done seven bills, and she's put co-sponsored more than 400 different bills. So to say that she's only put one into circulation, yeah, it's true, but it's kind of false because her name is tied to so many other bills. I mean, it's definitely something you can you have to look further into to understand that that's not a bad thing necessarily. Yeah, it's true. And they, I want to, like, wow, fact checks. It's, it's important. Everyone should fact check. Um, go to politifact.com is where we got our information. We want to remind everybody that all the information we've stated today um, you can watch your, for yourself. You can watch the debate. It's on several websites. We're posting a link to it on our website, so you can go there to watch the entire debate and, you know, decide for yourself. Our sources, our sources as well will also be posted, so make sure you check out our links and see and, and read more about the topic. And also keep in mind that November 8th is coming up, so make sure you go out there and let your voice be heard so you can vote. Make sure to vote for every position because it is definitely important. Also, to um, make sure you know you fact check when you um, hear a candidate's statement because you, you know you want to know if what they're saying is true or false. I definitely agree. That's a great thing to mention, Ajin. So we just want to thank all of you guys for tuning in today, and we want to remind you that we do have one more podcast soon to come. And thank you so much. Thanks, Arjun, Corey, Brittany, and Shannon for wrapping up this episode of Central Valley Politics with that awesome game. 
This episode has been brought to you from the Student Media Center at California State University, Stanislaus, home to The Signal, student newspaper, and 91.9 KCSS, the Valley's true alternative college radio station. You can find both online at csusignal.com and kcss.net. We hope you found today's Central Valley Politics podcast instructive and enjoyable. Special thanks to our producer, Mariah Esparza, to our music composer, Gracie Carrillo, and to our engineer, Kyle Rankin, for pulling all this together. Remember, if you have anything you'd like us to research for you or discuss in a future podcast, please tweet The Signal, at CSU Signal, or me, at Shannon Stevens, S-H-A-N-N-O-N-S-T-E-V-E-N-S. You can also send an email to stanstatepodcasts at gmail.com. If you'd like to read more about these candidates and where the students got their information, be sure to look at the links provided on our websites, kcss.net and csusignal.com. Thanks for listening, and be sure to check back soon for more updates from the team at Central Valley Politics. This is Shannon Stevens at Stan State, where we're doing our part to save the vote.